It's time for episode 68 of the Clockwise podcast from Relay FM, recorded Monday, December 29th, 2014. Clockwise, four guests, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, where 2014 has almost run out of time. I am your co-host, Jason Snell, and across the country from me, it is my co-host, Dan Morin. Hello. Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We are in strange locations because we're all traveling for the holidays, but you know, we still do a podcast. How about that? We're professionals. I think that's what we've learned here. Nobody tell them where we're podcasting from. Various <laughs> undisclosed pil- pillows locations. and cardboard boxes are involved. Um, to my left, one of our fine guests today, it is Macworld's senior editor and all-around wonderful guy, Chris Breen. Hi, Chris. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. Welcome back to the podcast. It's a little different now, but still, you know, since the last time you were on, some stuff happened, but uh, it's great to have you back. Well, thanks. It's really great to be here. I should mention you're the composer of our theme song, too, which is also very important. Yeah, I believe it's in my contract that once a year, you actually have to have me on. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you getting this in before the end of 2014. A a personal appearance and a a t-shirt are pretty much (laughs) how we pay you. Exactly. And to my left, another returning guest and one of our former Macworld colleagues, it's Philip Michaels. Hi, Phil. Hi, Dan. Thanks for coming on my show. What? Wait, what? 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 What's happening? Yes, they can take away our jobs, but they can't take away the quiz show format that we stole from someone else. It's the Tech Pundit Showdown. Ooh. Yes. Ever since uh, uh, this past fall, tens of tens of Twitter users have begged, pleaded (laughs) for the uh, Pundit Showdown to return in some form. Here it is. And um, let's introduce introduce our, uh, our panelists today. He is the former editorial director of Macworld. Now he is uh, uh, joined the cruel <laughs> life of freelancing where he edits sixcolors.com. Ah, yes. You know him head now, head now. as Jason Snell. Jason, welcome to my program. <laughs> uh, thanks. Phil, I, I guess? Yes, I'm Philip Michaels, and okay. uh, this, this has always been the Tech Pundit Showdown. Okay. okay. Also... Uh, joining me from an undisclosed location in the country, he is a uh, freelancer who works uh, primarily now for uh, a site called Six Colors, also a site called Popular Science. That's crazy. Science isn't popular. Excellent. I'm, I'm not even in Boston today, but no. I will still accept the Boston <laughs> not, no, not from the fighting city city of Boston. It's Dan Morin. Hello, Dan. <laughs> Hi, Phil. It's, it's a pleasure to be here on your program, what has always been your program, I believe. Yes. And our final panelist for today, um, you may have already heard from him. He is a uh, senior editor at Macworld, where he hosts a podcast of his own, not quite as polished as this one. Uh, He also (laughs) writes um, the Mac 911 column, gives great advice, and oh, that head of hair. Give me a head with hair, long, beautiful hair. It's Christopher Breen. Hello. Gee, what a surprise that I'm here doing this. Yes. In case you've forgotten during our lengthy hiatus how this show works, I'm going to ask these gentlemen questions. They are going to give me answers, and I am going to award them points, whether it's one point, two points, or three points. And, of course, there's always the risk that in these troubling economic times, you could lose a point. 
And so let's get started right away with our Tech Pundit Showdown wrap-up of 2014 with our first question. And it's all about this. You know, this business of ours is an exciting business. And one of the core things that we've got to realize is that this business does not really respect tradition. Uh, What it respects is innovation on a go-forward basis. So it's really our collective challenge that we now need to make Microsoft thrive in a mobile-first and a cloud-first world. That's the core challenge that we collectively have to face up to. And I cannot be more honored, more humbled, and more excited about Microsoft and our opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Or it could be about this. Apple Watch is the most personal device we've ever created. Or even about this. That brings us to the products we are about to introduce today. These products are the result of those simple but very important inspirations. I will not make you wait any longer. Here is the Samsung Galaxy S5. Yes, always wind on, always end on an exciting note, I say. <laughs> 2014 saw a new Microsoft CEO, an out Apple CEO, and the usual parade of Galaxies, iPhones, and other gadgets. But let's start off by letting people know what the most significant tech news of the past 12 months was. Let's start with Jason Snell. I think the most important thing, uh, overarching story of this year, is really exposing to everybody how integral the internet has become to our lives, to our society, to our economy, pretty much how the internet is now not a curiosity that, like, oh, the internet is down. Well, the nerds will have to go outside for a minute. And instead, it's become an issue of uh, national security and uh, and freedom and other issues that are pretty serious. So you look at something like the Sony hack and the response to that, the, that creates an international incident between the United States and North Korea, or you look at the debates over net neutrality, where there are great questions about um, how this, uh, how, how internet service providers prioritizing traffic, which would seem like a snooze, ends up being something that could determine business winners and losers for the for the next hundred years. That's pretty crazy stuff, and it, although it is nerdy, and I think that puts uh, us all at risk because a lot of the people who are making the laws about this stuff have no conception of how to plug in a Wi-Fi router. Uh, this is still a huge issue, and this is going to only become more so now that you know hackers and uh, ISP configurations are a major policy issue in that affects our lives and the way our economy works. And there's no going back from it. Extra points there for both telling nerds to go outside and uh, leaving no answers for your fellow panelists. You're so, welcome, uh, Dan Morin. Well, you know, uh, Phil, I heard Satya Nadell there talking about innovation, and I I don't know if the name of the game was innovation this year. I think the name of the game was acquisition. Uh, A few years ago, we had, for example, Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars. This year, it bought the messaging app WhatsApp for 19 Instagrams. Uh, Google bought Nest for $3.2 billion, and, and Apple bought Beats for pretty close to the same amount. Even Microsoft themselves got into the game. They bought the Minecraft maker Mojango for $2.5 billion. And if you put all those together, that's about uh, twice the GDP of Iceland, which sadly nobody bought this year. But that means none of them get a volcano that explodes every once in a while. So more's the pity. Mm. Uh, Chris Breen. 
Uh, I think the major trend this year was actually privacy as a feature. I think we've seen the erosion of privacy over a series of years, starting with Google on into Facebook, where people years ago said privacy is not an issue. There is no more privacy. I think Apple is leading the charge in this. One of the things that they're doing is Apple Pay. So not only does it finally give NFC payments a welcome kick in the butt, but it helps to create a more secure payment system. And this is good for the banking industry because they have to spend less on uh, reimbursements. It's also good for consumers because now we don't have to Uh, roll over our credit cards every six months. And then there's HomeKit, which also, uh, as we're opening our homes to the internet, I think Apple is going to lead the charge in this by anonymizing information that comes from our home, going out to the internet and into our homes, so that we don't have every device in our house telling uh, the world where we are and what we're doing. Excellent answers all around. Mega points for everyone. It seems we've all gotten serious and, and, and deep uh, in, in, our, in our lengthy hiatus. We can't let that continue. So let's, let's move on to our next question. It's the reader question or listener question. It comes from, um, I hope I can pronounce his name right here, Roman Loyola. Who, uh, <laughs> Sounds fishy. Uh, Sounds fake. That's a made up name. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm deducting points just out of habit when Roman's name is mentioned. Um, He asks, Sam Biddle wrote an interesting piece on Gawker apologizing for an article he wrote more than a year ago that cost a PR professional her job over a joke tweet. In that spirit, I want to know if there's anything, any wrongdoing that you panelists would hope to uh, hope to confess to and hope to wrong a right. So uh, let's start off with Dan Morin. Well, far be it for me to apologize for them, but I think that someone really should apologize for Newsweek harassing a 63-year-old man that it believed to be the creator of Bitcoin, (laughs) but who it seems was not actually that person, maybe? I mean, in levels that we haven't seen since O.J. Simpson drove a white Bronco down the L.A. freeway, it seemed like they were tracking this guy's every move and just not leaving him any peace in his life. And we don't know if it's this guy, whether or not he was the actual creator of Bitcoin, but the point is Newsweek didn't either. Um... And as long as we're apologizing for other people, I'd also like to extend a heartfelt apology from Sony for clearly threatening to assassinate Kim Jong-un and from Kim Jong-un to Sony for hacking Sony's system. And, of course, from Seth Rogen and James Franco for perpetrating the interview on an unwitting American public. Very nice. Uh, Jason, what would you like to apologize for? Or or you can turn the question on its ear like Dan just did and <laughs> apologize for other people. For various other things and other people. Yes. I, I'd like to uh, apologize to all the forum spammers, trolls, gamer gators. Wait, I already said trolls. And people who don't like to read tweets that disagree with their political beliefs because that's too scary for hiring Chris Breen at Macworld. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus point to Chris Breen for uh, being hired. Chris. <laughs> yes. Uh, apologize, you know, act- Chris. I'm going to apologize. Um, I'm actually, because I, as, as I'm the only um, employed journalist here, um, I'm going to <laughs> apologize for the entire journalism uh, system. In that, I'd like to go back in time and sit down with whoever decided that online journalism could be supported entirely through ads rather than reader payment. It has reduced content to zero value and led to the worst excesses of SEO. And it seems like there's no going back. So I'm sorry that many, 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 many years ago, we didn't turn to you, dear readers and listeners, and say, you know, if you just pungle up like 10 cents a story, this everything would be so much better. 
that extra point was for sneaking in Pungle. Pungle up, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris <laughs> likes to do from time to if time. If you didn't say it, you should deduct a point because that was the perfect <laughs> yeah. setup for that. That was beautiful. Exactly. I miss Chris so much. <laughs> <laughs> this past week saw the first ever Bitcoin Bowl. Hey, speaking of Bitcoin, I wonder if they invited that guy who invented it. <laughs> saw the first ever Bitcoin Bowl. Take place in St. Petersburg, Florida, with BitPay sponsoring the showdown between the North Carolina State Wolfpack and the Knights of Central Florida. But I want to know which tech company you think should sponsor a bowl game in 2015. Chris, pungle up an answer. I will pungle up an answer, and uh, this is going to be the Snapchat Bowl. So when talking about each uh, player, you're going to actually see a large image of their most embarrassing moment that were sent privately to followers. Also, when a ref makes an embarrassing call, which I understand happens fairly often, uh, we're going to see nude pictures. Nobody wants that. Jason Snell. Well, if if we were going for the most perplexing name to confuse uh, various people's parents when they were trying to just watch a nice college football game on a Thursday night, then I would go with the Minecraft Bowl, because nobody knows what the heck that is, except if you've got a 10-year-old boy. Um, I would also go with, <clears throat> I should I should say my 13-year-old daughter loves Minecraft, too. I, I, I was tempted to uh, to say the Squarespace Bowl, but I think they've, they're tapped out with their podcast sponsorship. So I'm going to go with the 1Password Bowl. Not only does it start with a digit, and therefore will probably come first in all alphabetical listings of bowl games, but as Ooh. I've discovered during the holiday season, people, uh, especially my relatives, need to use a password manager instead of writing things down on a piece of paper or using a Microsoft Word file or just embedding the password in the name of the site in their bookmarks list. I got my in-laws up and running. That's serious. With uh, with one password just the other day. Um, it's more useful than Bitcoin and doesn't sound any less ridiculous. Dan Morin. Well, I considered a lot of options, but I think the one I came down on was the truly innovative new messaging app, Yo!, so may I present to you the Yo-Yo YOLO Bowl Yo with special <laughs> halftime contests for yodeling, yo-yoing, and of course, a performance by Yo-Yo Ma. You'll be able to yo a player on the field. You can uh, enjoy a complimentary Greek yo-yogurt. And the, of course, the game's official mascot is Yogi Bear. Or, you know, if you can get him Yogi Berra. Sure, whichever one. I think we'll be remembering that one for a long time to come. My, my goodness, a flourish there by Dan Moore and pulls him into the joint lead with Jason Snell on 12 points. Chris Breen doing very strong for Chris Breen in this competition. (laughs) 10 points. And we move on to our next question. It's all about this. Apple finally gave a proper Christian burial to its long-in-the-tooth iPod classic this year. But what other technology that shuffled off this mortal coil in 2014 would you like to remember one last time? Dan Morin, bring bring us some tears. I mean, uh, personally, I'm wiping a tear off for the safety and security of all of our data in this current <laughs> present environment. I also considered Windows 9, which seemed to die before it was ever born. <laughs> And, uh, but I think I, ultimately I'm going to raise a glass and toast the demise of Aereo, the amazing service that lets you watch live broadcast TV over the internet. It's only crime not bowing down before broadcast network overlords and, well, perhaps violating a few laws along the way. But kudos <laughs> to it for it's making... It's only crime was committing those crimes. Chris Green. 
Uh, I would like to bid a fond farewell to Windows XP and Windows 7. Uh, they're no longer supporting them. You can't get a new copy of Windows 7 for your PC. I think this is very sad because uh, we like to have competitors. We like to have these. those of us who love Apple like to have somebody that we can go up against. And, and our enemies now are who? What? Uh, Google? Not so much. And then CAPTCHA. Uh, I'm going to miss those many, many moments where I... I looked and squinted at my screen and said, what the hell is that supposed to be? Apparently, Google is going to retire it because it turns out that robots can figure these things out better than we can. Uh, Jason, you have an answer. Uh, I, indeed. I, I want to uh, pour one out for the simple Bluetooth step trackers like the original Fitbit, which, you know, you, you loved them. You put them in your pocket and then washed your pants and they were destroyed. <laughs> uh, but now that phones have... Uh, have motion coprocessors like the iPhone uh, 5S and 6 and 6 Plus, uh, they do step tracking just fine without it. So it's not necessary anymore, and it's much less likely that I'm going to wash my iPhone. Uh, but really, if I have to say that there's one product that I think we're going to miss, and I want to remember one last time, it's print magazines about technology <laughs> products. <laughs> We lost one of those this year, and although it uh, remains intact on the web and on the iPad, I think it's uh, important to cite the passing of fine print magazines about technology products, especially Apple products, whatever they may be. Mm-hmm. Hey, that brings us to our next question. Recently, the host of this podcast was let go from his job of 15 years. <laughs> Not sure if you heard anything about that. Co- on coincidence. The show, Matt. Coincidence. Uh, what I'd like to know. Besides being a reporter covering consumer technology, what job in tech offers even less job security? Jason, you seem to have something on your mind. I do. Uh, I think running the uh, operating system development for a major OS vendor is the most dangerous job in the world. Its operating systems are incredibly important. And in the last couple of years, we've seen Scott Forstall at Apple, Stephen Sanofsky at Microsoft, and Andy Rubin at Google all shown the door. Or in Andy Rubin's case, I think he was shown some strange man-eating robot, and then he went out the door running and screaming. Uh, either way, uh, that seems to be a really tough job. And uh, although I think that the people doing those jobs now are very talented as well, you know, it's like being a head coach in the NFL. Uh, you're going to get fired eventually. Uh, Dan Morin. Well, um, I guess in terms of job security, uh, if those leaked emails were any indication, then any job at Sony. Um, <laughs> Boom. They certainly don't have any security. Uh, Seriously, though, I I would argue there probably isn't any position in tech less secure than a tech journalist. I mean, if you say the wrong thing, Uber's just going to start digging up dirt on you and broadcasting (laughs) it all over the place. So I have to say that uh, I feel like there are a lot of options for lack of job security. But as, you know, three out of four of the people on this podcast could probably attest to, tech journalism is definitely on the cutting board. Chris. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, North Korea's minister of IT. (laughs) Boom. Second only to uh, being the uncle of the supreme leader. <laughs> For that, a North Korea deep, joke there. That, too real. That is a too deep real. Yeah. Deep knowledge. Uh, let's move on to our next question. And it's all about this. Two are going to be in a room alone with Kim. And the CIA would love it if you could take him out. Hmm? Take him out. For coffee? Dinner. For uh, kimchi? No, uh... Yes, we've talked about it so much. Let's actually ask a question about it. The Sony hack has been a comedy of errors. From tales of the company's lax security efforts to its decision to yank the interview out of theaters before reversing course. What could rival Sony for a masterclass in how not 
to manage a crisis. Let's start with Chris Breen. Well, since I'm first, I have to go with the obvious, which, of course, is Uber. Ah. Uh, Frat boy pranks, the inability to do background checks on its drivers, overvaluation, uh, threatening to go after journalists and expose their private lies. Could they have done this any worse? So, yes, they need some grown-ups at that company uh, to turn this thing around because clearly it's being run by frat boys. Dan Morin. Well, I'd have to go with the government's handling of the whole Edward Snowden NSA spying affair, uh, from failing to pass any meaningful reforms when it came up through the Congress to repeatedly branding Snowden a spy and traitor. It kind of seems like the both the administration and Congress are doubling down on the whole idea of willful disbelief. Uh, but I've got a fix. Don't worry. Uh, it's a new film about a scrappy band of misfit hackers who reform the NSA from the inside. And, of course, it would be produced by Sony. Jason Snell. I think I got to go with Apple here for its uh, re- the return. It's like a sequel <laughs> to a, a, a previous blockbuster. It's the return of the capricious App Store rejection. And the way they handle it, since this is about how not to manage a crisis, not only is, does this involve people getting up on stage at WWDC and saying, these are great features that we can't wait for you to use. And then a couple months later, after uh, seeing beta versions of software and saying, this is awesome, somebody else in some other part of Apple said, oh, no, 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 no. When we said we couldn't wait for you to use them, we meant we couldn't wait for you to not use them. And the the final blow here is that when these developers who were told that their apps were going to get yanked from the app store if they didn't remove all those fancy new features uh, were uh, finally written about in the media, when Apple decided to do damage control, they went to the media to announce that they were going to let those apps back in the store and didn't tell the developers until later. Don't you think the developers should have been the first phone call there? Anyway, I think that was a, a classic that came back, unfortunately late this year that's a great answer let's see how it affects the scores chris breen closing the gap a little bit he's in 19 points just one point behind dan morin on 20 but roaring into the lead with 21 points it's jason snell and our next question is this recently an up-and-coming website called six colors Hmm. published a list of its favorite ios games well we certainly love to hear about your monument valleys and your crossy roads and your roomses all this relentless positivity has no place on the tech pundit showdown tell me an app that you wish you had never bothered to download jason snell uh, this was something that uh, was heavily PR-driven, uh, and tech journalists, therefore, talked about it for about two days, and it was called Drop by Jawbone. It was an app that let you play music for somebody else if they had Spotify and were running the Drop app uh, on their phone at the moment that you tweeted at them saying you were dropping a track on them, and if the service could correctly parse your tweet and get the right version of the song you were trying to drop on them. And for about a day, tech journalists were like, hey, I'm on Drop. Drop me a song. And they wrote articles about it dutifully. And then presumably it sunk beneath the sea because I tried it and it was a complete waste of time and it never did anything right. And I feel like uh, Jawbone pulled a prank on all of us by putting out that press release. Dan Morin. 
Well, there are definitely days when I wish I hadn't downloaded that weight tracking app, especially in the holiday season, but I guess that's neither here nor there. Uh, Mostly, I still uh, resent having to download pretty much most of the apps I've ever downloaded from Microsoft. So prime among them, uh, Microsoft Office I used because I used to have a job which required me to use Microsoft Office, and I really resented having Word and Excel and PowerPoint taking up space on my machine. But I think most of all, the thing that I hated the most was having to download the Outlook Web Access mail app on my iPhone (laughs) just so I could read my mail and look at my calendar for work. I mean, it's bad enough that I have to go to work every day, but now I have to download an app just so I can read those those specific things. Uh, I deleted it pretty much as soon as I was out the door. (laughs) And you you sang as you did it. Chris Breen. (laughs) I'm going to go with iTunes 12. And uh, I'm going to say so because it's... Uh, iTunes 12 is prettier. It certainly is prettier. It's going with the whole Yosemite theme, and it's very nice if you kind of like that minimalistic theme. But um, it's also less intuitive. Uh, The syncing is a mess. Uh, Manual syncing is difficult. It used to be that you just drag your media over to your connected device, and now that doesn't seem to work the way it used to. Uh, Kirk McElhern at Macworld has just done a piece about Please, Apple, fix iTunes 12. Um, I wish they had done that. It waited six months to release it. Yeah, I, iTunes is one of those uh, uh, applications that seems to get worse with every iteration. <laughs> yeah, that's a feature, Phil. <laughs> okay, enough negativity, Dan Morin. <laughs> this time of year, this is our next question, by the way, we come up with year-end awards and best of lists. So I want each panelist to give me their favorite piece of tech, whether it be a hardware, software, or service, for 2014. Let's start off with the negative Nelly, Dan Morin. Oh, well, you know, I really love my iPhone 6, but honestly, my favorite piece of tech from 2014 is actually an old piece of tech. It's the iPad Mini 2. Uh, I had a non-Retina display iPad Mini I bought in 2012, but I wasn't able to upgrade to the Retina model when it first came out. And given this year's rather lackluster iPad Mini upgrade, I actually got a great deal on an iPad Mini 2 that was refurbished from last year, and it pretty much has all the exact same specs under the hood. The only thing it doesn't have is Touch ID, which I'm really okay with. Um, and so I, I think that it's really the still the definitive version of the iPad Mini, and it's so much cheaper and you know more efficient than the buying an iPad Mini 3. So uh, I feel like that was one of the best decisions Apple made this year, was keeping around the iPad Mini 2, and I'm really enjoying the sweet, sweet retina display on mine. Chris Breen. I'm going to go with Sonos, and this has been my pick for years. Um, I repeat myself, but it has completely changed the way I listen to music. I haven't purchased music in years, and that's because I also stream a lot of music from services. It's really easy. I get to stream different music in the house, and that's helpful when you have a 13-year-old daughter because she likes certain kinds of music Mm -hmm. that I can't stand because these kids today listen to music that I don't like, which is surprising. Uh, So it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, it's well made. It's really easy to set up. If there is any company that's more like Apple, I can't imagine what it is. Uh, Apple should actually re- acquire this company if it's not going to have beats to it. Jason, what's your answer? Well, I uh, uh, I was in the market for a new computer this fall for my desk in my new home office for reasons that we've already discussed here. And uh, my former employer was was happy to pitch in a little bit for that, which was great. And uh, this unfortunately coincided with the release of the Retina iMac, which made me think, huh, Retina iMac, eh? And the release of the Mac Mini, which was so crippled uh, compared to the last version that it wasn't available. So it, this is what I did. I bought a Retina iMac. I actually reviewed the Retina iMac, uh, had that on my desk for a week, and then 
as I was boxing it up, I just placed an order and bought a new Retina iMac. It's beautiful. It's got all the power of a low-end Mac Pro in a, in a, in a beautiful uh, 27-inch monitor that's all Retina, and it's gorgeous, and it's very hard to look at non-Retina displays now. But it, I, I feel spoiled. I think it's the best Mac that I've, I've ever had, and I love it. All right. Let's move on to our next question. It's all about this. Okay, now here's the deal. I'll try to educate you. Gonna familiarize you with the nomenclature. You learn the definitions of nouns and prepositions. Yes, as part of my exciting new life of freelancing, I have the chance to interview Weird Al Yankovic. Very, very nice man, by the way. In case you were wondering, in case that was keeping you up at That's night. That's early. It's not Who's... called Nice Al Yankovic. <laughs> no, well, see, he not weird at all in in talking to me. Very nice. Who's the most interesting person you ever had the chance to talk to for any article you've written? Let's start with Chris Breen. I'm actually going to use a duo because they're brothers. Um, This is Rand and Robin Miller of Mist fame. Um, I originally reviewed um, Mist for Computer Gaming World, but nobody knew what the game was. And they thought, what, apps on the Mac? No, I don't think so. Really nice guys. They were just coming out of making kids games. Very accessible, uh, very creative, the, the two of them. And I had a chance to interview them several times throughout their careers. So this is before they were famous, right after they were famous, and they were just overwhelmed with everything that had happened to them. And then recently, I've talked a lot to uh, Robin Miller for the Macworld podcast. Really great guys, very um, clever, um, very creative in the work that they do, and, and just genuinely straight-up good guys. What a very nice answer. Dan Morin. Back in 2008, I interviewed Bob Stack, who's an illustrator. Uh, Among other things, he's written a lot of different children books, but he's also done a bunch of uh, iconic covers for The New Yorker, including what I thought was pretty affecting that recent broken arch image of the St. Louis Gateway Arch. Um, And when I interviewed him, I learned that he actually does, or at least back in 2008, he did all of his illustrations in Adobe Photoshop 3.0, which for those of you keeping score at home was from 1994. Um, so that's really impressive. I thought he was a really cool guy. He's done a lot of really clever colors and uh, covers, and I'm just incredibly impressed with the fact that he, you know, uses all this technology that's 20 years old now and still produces these really, really great-looking, iconic images. So just to show you, I guess you don't always need the latest and greatest technology in order to produce great art. Jason. Well, you know, the easiest answer here is probably Steve Jobs, because I interviewed him, and he was really, really interesting. (laughs) He was an interesting guy. If you didn't know, you could read up on Steve Jobs. Uh, Really? Are there books about him? Uh, Maybe a movie? There are two. (laughs) I don't don't know if I can recommend any of those, but things are available if you'd like to know more about Steve Jobs. He was one of the two Steves who founded Apple back in the 70s, in case you didn't know. But I'm going to say I have only interviewed one person who has ever, yet, Steve Jobs may get there, had a, uh, a holiday named for him, and that is Cesar Chavez, uh, who uh, I interviewed in college and has a holiday in California, Cesar Chavez Day, and uh, uh, he you should look him up, too. He's a, he was a very interesting guy. His life was very interesting. My interview with him was not very interesting because I was a college journalist, and he was a famous guy, and he told me not to buy any grapes, and uh, that was pretty much it. But hey, <laughs> guy with a holiday, I talked to him. Check. Excellent. So... Let's check the scores. Dan Morin in a seesaw battle is now in the lead at 30 points. Right ahead of Jason Snell at 29. Chris Breen just needs a couple more points. He's at 28. 
Tick tight, as they say in the business. And here's our next question. The dark side. And the light. Yes, the trailer for the next Star Wars movie uh, debuted over Thanksgiving weekend, inspiring a lot of talk, inspiring some people to do hour-long podcasts for just one trailer. It's amazing. When was the last time you anticipated the release of something, and did it ultimately live up to your expectations? Uh, Let's start with Jason this time. Uh, The return of the Pundit Showdown. (laughs) Mm. I'll I'll let let you know how it goes. Okay. (laughs) Deducted a point there because you have terrible priorities in life. Dan Morin. (laughs) Well, Phil, the year was 1999, and there had been no Star Wars movies for 16 years. Oh, no. And and let me tell you, The Phantom Menace did not live up to anybody's expectations. And the expectations, they may have been very high, but it sunk very, very low. And then not only if that wasn't bad enough, they made two more movies, and I think I could say they might have gotten successively worse along the way. So, uh, you know, once bitten, twice shy, I guess they say. I'm still strangely excited about the Episode 7 trailer, and um, we could just spend the rest of the podcast talking about that. How does that work? Is it once bitten, twice shy, third confused, fourth excited again? Is that what's happening to you? No, three is a, three is a, uh, a trend, I believe. And then <laughs> okay. four is a coincidence, or again, yes. I don't really know how this works. Yes. Fool me once, shame on you. It's the, it's the iTunes of, uh, of sequels <laughs> of the three Star Wars movies. Chris Breen. Uh, Bunchy's Destiny. We have known the Bunchy guys for years and years and years and years back in the day when they were just Mac developers before they went to um, Microsoft and then released Halo, which is sort of the thing they're known for now. Uh, They've spent a huge amount of money on Destiny, like half a billion dollars or something on it. And they're an awesome company. They make really great stuff. They're very smart people. They've got a terrific track record. And the game is beautiful, but it's so, so seriously flawed. It's just kind of pretty and not much fun to play. So we hope through updates, it becomes a more interesting experience than it is. All right. Let's go to our next question. And Jason already hinted at this in an earlier answer. From pCalc to drafts to transmit, it's been quite the year for App Store rejections. I want the panelists to channel your inner Apple and give me your best reason for rejecting an app. Let's start off with Dan Morin this time. Dear developer, we have reviewed your app, Amazing Email Messaging Web Browser, and have found it to contain too many features not implemented by our own email messaging and browser apps. Our organization rests at the intersection of technology and the liberal arts, and we believe that all the capabilities unlocked by your app will prove simply too confusing for our customers who prefer the elegance and simplicity of our own feature-limited software. In conclusion, we feel your app is just too good, but we invite you to remove all of the aforementioned functionality and re-submit it. Sincerely, Apple App Review. Oh, boom. (laughs) Jason. Well, uh, dear developer, I'm sorry that your app has been rejected for being too showy. When we announce these exciting new features, what we're trying to tell you is give us time to show them off in our own apps. We need our time to shine. If you try to outshine us, you will be rejected. Please wait for our greatness to be visible and understood, and then we'll let you know when you can follow in our footsteps. Excellent. Chris Breen. Dear developer, Skewmorphism... We're all play acting here. (laughs) (laughs) Dan started it. (laughs) 
Anchor developer skewmorphism is so last year. Johnny is so over that. Anything that has the look of a real world object is rejected out of hand. We want flat angles and, if at all possible, a sense that you're not entirely sure what a beautiful design element actually does. <laughs> Outstanding answers all around. Hey, let's go to another question. It's all about this. I, I was going to say goodbye, but now that I'll live forever, who knows? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is... We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. Yes, Stephen Colbert's late-night talk show is over, and so is Craig Ferguson's. At some point next spring, David Letterman will be calling it a career. Who in the world of technology do you think should try their hand at hosting the late-night talk show? It's the golden envelope question. Match my answer, which I've written down on a piece of paper and not stored in an envelope because no one is in the room with me, (laughs) and you will get... Ten bonus points, almost assuredly a spot in the final. Chris Breen, what is your answer? I'm going with the Larry Ellison show. Larry uses his guests only as foils to talk about Larry's greatest achievements and occasionally lick his boots. He dresses as Iron Man in case the comparison isn't obvious enough. (laughs) Jason. Live from Bellevue, Washington, it's up late with T-Mobile CEO John Laguerre. (laughs) This will be on um, premium cable because he swears a lot, but there is nobody more quotable and interesting and wacky and you're afraid that he's going to throw something at the audience than John Laguerre of T-Mobile. He's just a personality. I I wonder sometimes if he's more effective as a talk show host than as a CEO, but you know what? I really, uh, it's an act and sometimes it can grow tiresome, but you know where... uh, People with a good act can go television. And so that's why I'm saying up late with John Laguerre. It's going to be a hit, but probably on like Showtime or Cinemax or something like that. Dan Morin. Well, there's so many options to choose from. Steve Ballmer, a little too sweaty. Larry Ellison, too many kimonos. Uh, Leo Apotheker, who? Uh, So my vote is for... My vote's for Eric Schmidt. Frankly, uh, I think people would tune in just to see what bizarre outlandish claim he would make next. Forget Chrome's private browsing protecting you from the NSA. Just wait until Schmidt explains that Google Glass will let you see into the future. Or that the company's drone plans include a floating city in the sky. Now, I think that would make for some pretty great television, and I would even go with the title, Schmidt My Dad Says. Oh, God. (laughs) Is Schmidt your dad? I don't want to go into it. It's uh, I choose not to reveal. I also um, also another point to Dan Warren there for taking a uh, gratuitous shot at Chris Burns answer. So very good. <laughs> Unfortunately, none of you got the golden envelope answer, and and I'm shocked wow. by this. Craig Craig Federighi. Uh, uh, the hair. He's per- he's personable. He's got nice hair. Mm-hmm. He uh, he he blows him away at those Apple keynote presentations. He, if if he's looking for someone to write material for him, I I'm available. So uh, Craig wow. Federighi is is the correct answer. I really thought I had I had you matched there. I would man. say if Craig if Craig Federighi does have a show, Chris Breen should be his band leader though, because it'd be like a dueling battle of great hair. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I think the universe would collapse in on it. So those two hairs <laughs> yeah. together would be a big perhaps problem. too much hair. Mm-hmm. Our final question, it's, it's another listener question because uh, I can't be bothered to write uh, too many questions on my own with, with, after, after months and months of uh, sitting around. It's uh, from Michael Jansen, and he writes, 
In November, Apple's market cap topped $700 billion, the first company to surpass that level. What will Apple need to do or avoid doing in 2015 in order to stay at such lofty heights? Let's start off with Dan Morin. Well, it's a bit of a bind, really, because Apple's in a damned-if-it-does, damned-if-it-doesn't situation. On the one hand, all the pundits will get angry if the company doesn't release its quantum teleportation solution to the public. On the other hand, those same pundits will be upset when it turns out that said teleportation solution can occasionally suffer from glitches, like sending your body one place and your internal organs someplace else. Look, nobody's perfect, okay? So really, I think the company needs to stay the course, but just keep getting better at everything, which is fine, really, because is there an upper limit on better? I don't think so. So Apple, stick with it. You're doing great but you can always do better. That is that is some genuine frontier gibberish right there. Chris Breen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the reader's name again? Uh, Michael Jansen. Michael, this one's for you. Uh, one, I think that... Um, do I get points He's for sucking up to the reader? Points. <laughs> no, wow. no points for that. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Seriously, I think that Apple needs to release the Apple Watch in a timely manner and ensure that the thing works as advertised. So uh, when we're talking about the Gold Watch, first of all, let's avoid the notion that the Gold Watch is a one-time purchase. Rather, it should be traded in on the next model, so you're not paying five dollars to $10,000 for the thing, and then you're stuck with old technology. Uh, having a success in this uh, arena will maintain the idea that Apple simply can do no wrong, and that makes Wall Street happy, and therefore it maintains their value. And in addition, I think they need to really nail the next iteration of OS X in the iOS cycle. Uh, Among people who follow Apple's movements, there's a growing sense that the company is juggling too many balls, there's rough edges, and they're becoming more apparent with each release. It has to take itself off the will-eventually-get-this-right cycle, as uh, so many other companies are doing. And Jason Snell. Hi, listener Michael. Is that a new haircut? <laughs> I thought so. Looking good. Here's what Apple needs to do. Shameless. A- Apple. Um, keep, so, it, it, you know, your iPhone, the iPhone that's, that, uh, that you make, it's very popular. I suggest you keep selling that. Uh, make it available in all countries possible in a variety that's, of That's ver- really variations. good advice. Keep selling the popular product. And... <laughs> And this is key. Step two in my uh, two-part step for Apple to keep rolling. Uh, in the fall, introduce some new iPhones, and people will buy them in droves, uh-huh. and you will continue to be as successful as you are now. So do that. I think that's the key. That is the worst answer that I think you've ever given on this show. That's the, the simple. I mean, I, okay, just to, to defend myself here, I mean, to stay at such lofty heights, there is no product more important than the iPhone. The iPhone needs to keep being sold and keep rolling and keep being successful. And I think as long as Apple keeps selling it and making new ones that are slightly better than the old ones, Apple will keep rolling. I think it is that simple. Okay. You defended it well. I gave you another point. Unfortunately, not enough, Jason Snell. (laughs) You have 37 points. Chris Breen has 38. Dan Morin, 42. Our two finalists are going to be Dan Morin and Chris Breen on this episode. Now, well, I'm not your boss anymore, so I knew this was inevitable. <laughs> uh, although I will point out now that we've, uh, now that I've uh, said, does the pundit showdown's return live up to my expectations? I got to say no. Okay. <laughs> I am deducting 37 points, and you are on zero. So, <laughs> just ahead of Roman. It's good. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to Defend the Indefensible. This is the part of the program where I read a statement and our uh, finalists have to defend it. They will not agree with it, 
but they have to defend it nevertheless. It's a terrible thing that I'm about to read to them, but they, they cannot disagree for one second. They have, to, they have 20 seconds to defend this. Dan, since you uh, had the most points, do you want to go first or second? I think I will go second. Okay. Chris. Uh, let, let me just go over these the rules again here. So, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I have okay. to agree with it. Yeah, okay. okay. Yes, you have to agree. When I say I in this next sentence, I mean I, Chris Breen. And I'll ah, read good. it like okay. that. I, Chris Breen, am looking forward to the release of the Apple Watch because it brings us that much closer to the day when Samsung will produce a vastly superior copy. You know, I couldn't agree more. And the reason is that everything I own, as a matter of fact, I own Samsung pants. I own Samsung underwear and I own a Samsung hat. And it's superior in many ways because not only does it keep me warm, but it also keeps me cool when things are too hot. And it keeps the sun off my head and it also maintains a beautiful look. It doesn't give me hot hair. All right. That's your time. Interesting. Always, always good to appeal to the host by making a pants reference. So... Dan Morin, are you ready? I'm, I'm ready. This is the indefensible thing that you have to defend. Actually, it's about ethics in game journalism. <laughs> well, it, it is entirely about ethics in game journalism because nobody is more unethical than reporters. I mean, I think we should go the step further and just get rid of all the reporters altogether. And basically, let's just have marketing and PR people tell us what we need to know because they're going to, these reporters are going to mess up things. They're going to include facts. They're going to include all sorts of things that we don't really want to hear. And I really just think that we need to have a nice sort of smoothly delivered showy. Awesome. Terrific. Terrific. You nailed it. I cannot, I cannot award it to anyone but Dan Morin. Dan Morin is our winner on the triumphant return of the Tech Pundit Showdown. I've never been happier to be part of the Tech Pundit Showdown. I believe that's I, your second ever win, isn't it? I think so. It really, I feel that this has lived up to the hype. Yes. Well, then I'm glad you won. Uh, I'd like to thank my panelists. For wait, the, wait a second. Uh, wait a second. They're not your panelists. This is clockwise. What are you doing? I would like to thank, to my left, Christopher Breen. Uh, thanks very much for having me here. And I would think, like to thank, to my left, the wonderful Philip Michaels. Thank you, Phil. Thanks. I just have something to say to Jason. Oh, yes? Negative two points. <laughs> Phil Michaels, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Well, goddamn, it's Dash, where you can easily create real time. Dashboards that show information There are dozens of pre-built widgets For services like App figures Google Analytics GitHub And don't forget Twitter Go to thedash.com You don't need no credit card Go to thedash.com Play with it because it is fun Oh god damn it's Dash You can also show custom data it's got a great API to share from Dropbox or the web. Things like line charts, speedometers, tables, or use iframe. The pricing model is a lot like GitHub. All the public dashboards for free. For 10 bucks a month, unlimited private dashboards could be yours. So go to the dash.com. They're currently running a promotion. If you sign up, Dashboards, you'll be able to get one. Go to the dash.com. You don't need no credit cards. Go to the dash.com and 